Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. On this Thursday morning, I tell you what, I'm really excited about this show. I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. On this show, I was waking up this morning to the news that Urban Meyer has been fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I was trying to prepare for this show. With that being said, we do have a great show. I'm going to talk about the firing of Urban Meyer. What happened? What was the fallout? Will Urban Meyer ever coach again? And who is the candidate that will replace him in Jacksonville? I went to bed last night, and lo and behold, Texas A&M is now the number one recruiting class. Jimbo Fisher, a great job. Was the win over Alabama the reason that Texas A&M got put over the top? Because Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia were all tussling for that number one recruiting class, and Texas A&M pulls it off. I'm going to recap the remaining of National Signing Day. Hawks get a big win against the Orlando Magic. I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA, but the Hawks are now a 500 team as they go down the stretch, getting ready for that Christmas game against the New York Knicks. And of course, longtime Hawks expert Ronnie Pierre-Paul will be on my show on Thursday, December 23rd. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to preview the Atlanta Hawks game against the Knicks, and the expectations for the season. I also have another guest lined up on Tuesday morning show. So next week, I'll have two guests. On Tuesday morning show, Georgia Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Scott Miller, voice of the Columbus State Cougars, is going to be on this show. I am honored and I am excited that he is willing to do this. And I tell you, having him on the show, he's going to give the insight on Columbus State Cougars as I try to approach the season. They're taking on Lander University this Friday, and their home opener in conference play is Monday night against Augusta University. That is going to be so exciting. That's where we're going to do the interview, and then the show is going to air Tuesday morning. So let's get right into the show, because I'm also going to talk about some of the bowl games. I'm really excited about bowl season. So before I start the show... This is the holiday break. This is where most of your local sports talk radio stations decide to take their Christmas break. And if you're really local and you don't have a B team or a C team, that goes to the national sports market. So if you're a local radio station, you'll play ESPN Radio or Fox Sports Radio. And I know that I've listened to local radio stations where they bring on the B team and the C team, which I'd be honored to be on the B team or C team if they asked me. But that's why I'm doing this podcast, and I'm doing it five days a week during the Christmas break because there's so many sports that is going on during this time that I want to make sure that I cover everything, including all the local stuff. We got Columbus State basketball, the River Dragons, the Columbus Rapids. I need to talk about all of it. So that's why I'm here. I'm doing this podcast so I could put out all the information that you need as a sports fan. So the news broke late in the night. I was checking my phone this morning when I woke up. I actually woke up about three this morning, checking my phone to see the news that Urban Meyer has been fired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars after 13 games. He had a 2-11 and record 
in Jacksonville. It was a disaster from the start. Well, speaking of which, with that bar incident in Ohio, I mean, come on, that was just really bad press. Allegations of kicking a kicker, riding on a plane without your team. You know, he's not a college coach anymore. He's an NFL head coach. You can't pull this stuff. And Urban Meyer, his ship has sailed. And now what is Urban Meyer going to do? Is he going to go back to college? Because I still think he's a great college head football coach. He could go back to being an analyst or take some time off for a couple of years. So let this be forgotten because people will forget. I mean, this was a bad fit. Even to the start of training camp when Urban Meyer brought in Tim Tebow as a tight end, this was starting to become a circus. And I was optimistic the Jaguars did have some good wins, a win over Miami, a win over Buffalo, but he's lost his team and it has been a disaster. It's got me thinking about college coaches that make that transition to the NFL. Didn't work out for Bobby Petrino, although he left on bad terms, and I don't think the city of Atlanta would ever forgive him. It didn't work out for Steve Spurrier, even though I thought Steve Spurrier had a decent run, but the Washington football team, they had Marty Schottenheimer, and they fired him to bring on Steve Spurrier. It seemed like that was a circus. The jury is still out on Matt Rule, whether he is a good head coach. Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano left Rutgers, went to coach at Tampa Bay, and that didn't work out. Now he's back at Rutgers. Chip Kelly. I know he had two seasons with the Eagles at 10-6, and six, and then he had a one bad losing season, and they fired him. Then he goes to San Francisco, goes 2-14 and 14 with the 49ers in 2016, and by far, that was the worst hire I have ever seen for an organization in San Francisco. That was worse than hiring Dennis Erickson as head coach. I was absolutely embarrassed, even though I was optimistic. Oh, yeah, Chip Kelly's offense. He makes quarterbacks great. Look what he did with Nick Foles in Philly. No, that that was an absolute disaster. Some coaches are just better off being college coaches. And I forgot about Nick Saban. 9-7 and seven with the Dolphins in his first year. 5-11 and 11 with the Dolphins the second year. You all know the famous quote, I guess I'm not going to be the head coach at Alabama. Yes, Nick Saban said that in a quote. Then Alabama offers him the job in 2007. You know, he wasn't, his, he wasn't Alabama's first choice. They wanted Rich Rodriguez. But Bama fans don't want to ever admit that. Bama fans don't realize how good they have it with Nick Saban. Look at all the coaches before Nick Saban. Mike Shula, Dennis Francione, Mike Price, Mike DuBose. Sorry, I had to bring up bad memories to Bama fans. They did finish 4-9 one year in 2003. Yes, that actually did happen at the University of Alabama. So there are some college coaches that just belong in college, and there are some NFL coaches that are strictly NFL coaches. Although there are some NFL coaches, I think that would make great college coaches like Mike Tomlin. But don't tell him that. He'll think you're insulting him because he's on the same level as Andy Reid and Sean Payton. Like with John Gruden, I think John Gruden will get another head coaching position either in college or in the NFL, which leads to my point. Who can replace Urban Meyer as the next head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I put up a poll on my Twitter page. I have four choices. There's two choices that are realistic. I think that Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is long overdue for a head coaching position. Eric Bieniemy works well with Patrick Mahomes. Now, if he comes in and becomes the coach, he's got Trevor Lawrence, who's a once-in-a-generation talent like Andrew Luck, John Elway. He was the highest-rated prospect 
since John Elway. And then Travis Ntien is coming back as the running back. Jacksonville is set up because they got the quarterback right. So whoever takes this job is going to have a very smooth transition because they have the quarterback right. Another candidate is offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Byron Leftwich. Now, he played in Jacksonville. He was the quarterback. Byron Leftwich is a very good offensive play caller. It helps that he has Tom Brady, but he also has the trust of the team, and he is a player's coach. And I think that the players in Jacksonville could respond well to Byron Leftwich. Now the other two choices I have on here, I was having some fun with this. John Gruden, I wonder if I'm going to get some votes for that one. John Gruden is a good head football coach. And to rehabilitate his image, Jacksonville would be a good place for him. And then the other choice I had on there was Jim Harbaugh. I don't think he's going to leave Michigan. But I do think that Jim Harbaugh could coach in the NFL again and be successful. So check out my Twitter poll. It's going to be a little bit fun. I haven't got any results yet, but I will announce the results on tomorrow's show. All right, while you were going to sleep last night, a lot of news stories breaking, but the big one is that Texas A&M overtakes Alabama with the number one recruiting class. And I know that there were some winners in National Signing Day, especially Jackson State, flipping the number one recruit in the country from Florida State to Jackson State. I talked about that on the show yesterday. Travis Hunter, Commits to Jackson State. Defensive tackle Walter Nolan finally signs with Texas A&M. That's what put Texas A&M on top. And I do attribute Texas A&M getting the number one recruiting class because Jimbo Fisher, they paid him all that money. He finally beats Nick Saban. And I think Texas A&M, even though their quarterback entered the transfer portal, I think Texas A&M is set up. Number one recruiting class, they're going to be competing with Alabama for years to come. I actually think that the SEC West has just got a little bit harder for Nick Saban. I think that Saban still going to be the coach. I still think he is going to dominate the SEC. When I look at Nick Saban, I think of Tom Brady. When Tom Brady was in the AFC, he was dominating the AFC East. Then he goes over into the NFC South. I didn't know what to expect for Tom Brady going into the NFC South because he had great quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. And now that really good head coaches are going into the SEC West, like Lane Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher, Mike Leach, Sam Pittman for Arkansas, I feel like Nick Saban is going to be the toughest challenge yet. The reason why Nick Saban was so dominant for all those years because the coaching wasn't as strong. Now that the coaching is a little bit stronger, it's going to be a challenge for Nick Saban to go undefeated and play for the national championship every year. I think that there's one or two losses that are just inevitable every year because of the schedule that Alabama has to play. So with that being said, it's a good parallel. Tom Brady going over to the NFC, kind of like LeBron going over to the West, although that's not really working out too well right now for LeBron because the West is stacked. Now, I did talk about on my show yesterday that Tank Bigsby entered the transfer portal. Then I got corrected by an Auburn fan that that's not the case, that Tank Bigsby is staying at Auburn. Well, good for Tank Bigsby, local kid here up at LaGrange, played at Callaway. Good for him. I'm really excited. Tank Bigsby is staying in Auburn. I did not want to see Auburn get depleted. I mean, what does that tell you about their head coach, Brian Harson? I mean, they had an okay recruiting class. Auburn was ranked 13th. I really don't want to see teams get gutted because of the transfer portal. So LaGrange College, I don't really talk that much about LaGrange College on this show. They had an afternoon game 
yesterday at the Mariotti Gym at noon. They actually had quite a few fans, a lot of students out of school. Uh, they dropped a contest to North Carolina Wesleyan, 95-88. to 88. Now LaGrange College is 4-6 and six on the season. Brashard Edwards and Kyle Brown finished with 18 points apiece. And also just a reminder, you know, I talk a little bit about LaGrange College on this show. I'm also going to talk about the Columbus State Cougars. 8-1 and one on the season. They travel up to South Carolina, their first Peach Belt Conference game this Friday as they will take on Lander. Lander is the same team that they lost to in the Peach Belt final two years ago. Remember when Columbus State went 18-13? and 13, And they made that incredible run to the Peach Belt Conference final. And then the pandemic happened, completely canceled the entire season, and they were forgotten. The pandemic was tough. They had a year where they only played 12 games. A lot of the games was canceled because of COVID. Last year, they had no fans at the Lumpkin Center. So I'm really excited about this Monday, seeing all the fans back at the Lumpkin Center to take on Augusta University, one of the top teams in the Peach Belt Conference. And I look at how strong the Augusta Jaguars are. They are ranked 8th in NCAA Division II and 9-0. and So come out to the Lumpkin Center. As always, Scott Miller does the play-by-play on 88.5. I enjoy listening to him. I'm going to try to listen to him for that Lander game in preparation for our interview, which I have 20 years of broadcasting experience, and I love doing what I do. I, I was a play-by-play announcer in college for our basketball team and baseball team. But I am in awe of somebody that has done play-by-play for 45 years. He is a legend in the state of Georgia. I cannot believe that he agreed to be on my podcast. And that just tells you his character. He is a very nice guy that's willing to help a younger broadcaster, somebody that, yes, I've been doing it for 20 years, but I am very fresh at what I'm doing. And I've really been blessed that I've had opportunities in the past couple years to not only do this podcast, but to be a guest on 95.7 ESPN Radio, to be a public address announcer for Russell County, and now the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus Rapids. Last night in the National Basketball Association, the Atlanta Hawks, they get back on track by beating the Orlando Magic 111-99. to Trey Young did have a neck injury, but he had 28 points. John Collins... Chipped in with 21 points and 10 rebounds. And the Atlanta Hawks, back at 500 this Friday night, will take on the Denver Nuggets. Looking at the schedule, on Sunday they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Has there been a team in the NBA more surprising than the Cleveland Cavaliers? 18-12. and 12. I always thought that the Cavaliers could not overcome LeBron leaving them a second time. But Evan Mobley is a candidate for Rookie of the Year, and the Cavaliers look like they could make the playoffs for the first time since LeBron left. It's been just an abysmal franchise without LeBron, but they're doing very well this year. So last night on TV, you had the Los Angeles Lakers. They had to pull off this game against the Mavericks in overtime, 107-104. But it was the heroics of Austin Reeves. I personally think that the core of Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James is not going to work when the Lakers get into the playoffs and they have to take on a Phoenix Suns team or a Utah Jazz or a Golden State Warriors. And now the surprising team, the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have come out of nowhere and they're 18-11. and 18-11 and they are doing it without John Morant. Unbelievable. Desmond Bain had 23 points. And don't look now, but the Memphis Grizzlies, 
right now are the fourth seed in the Western Conference. That's incredible. What the Grizzlies are doing, I'm shocked. Portland lost their seventh straight. They are on the outside of the playoffs. And right now the Sacramento Kings are the 10th seed. Which, if they do get into the playing game, does that break their postseason streak? I've always wanted to know that. But still, after Golden State beating the New York Knicks, they are now in first place in the Western Conference, followed by the Phoenix Suns. Over in the Eastern Conference, you still have Brooklyn, Hainan Tall at 20-8. and They have the best record in the Eastern Conference, followed by the Milwaukee Bucks, who has been the hottest team in the NBA. They are two back of the Brooklyn Nets, the defending NBA champs, are starting to play together again. And that core of Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday is a very good core, and they got a lot of good role players, and that's why Milwaukee won the NBA title last year because they very they play very well together. And Mike Budenholzer is a very underrated head coach. The Chicago Bulls, it just seems to work. With DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, the free agents they brought over is making it work for the Chicago Bulls. Like I mentioned, the Cleveland Cavaliers, a very surprising year. The Miami Heat, the Charlotte Hornets. So there is time. Atlanta is 14-14. They're currently ninth in the playoffs. But if they make a run, I see Atlanta getting to be a third or fourth seed because I don't think Chicago is better than Atlanta. I don't think Cleveland's better than Atlanta. I think there are two teams that are in the path of the Atlanta Hawks that I don't think they would beat when they get into the playoffs. And that is the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. I love the Christmas holidays, but mainly I love bowl season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And this weekend, we've got some bowl games. And I am excited. You know, bowl season just starts earlier and earlier. You have more bowls. You have more FBS teams that become bowl eligible. I know people don't like having all these bowls, but I love watching bowl games. Even if it's two 6-6 six and six teams, one's from the MAC and one's from the Sun Belt, I still would watch it. So Friday at noon, and they're really starting this out even earlier, the Bahamas Bowl, MTSU taking on Toledo. I have, I have some relatives that went to Middle Tennessee State. Rick Stockdale, he's put on a great program at Middle Tennessee State, and they're bowl eligible. So happy to see them. And then the 6 o'clock game on Friday, we got Northern Illinois. Remember, Northern Illinois started out beating Georgia Tech 9-4 and four on the year. If you're not familiar with Northern Illinois, they play in the MAC. Sometimes they play their games on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. That's why I love the MAC football, because they always play just about every day. Take it on Coastal Carolina. Remember, Coastal Carolina was just one of those teams that was highly ranked to start off in the season. They finished the regular season 10-2, and but their two losses to Georgia State and then to Appalachian State, they got all the way up to 14 in the rankings after beating Kansas from the Power 5 Conference. So Coastal Carolina, I think that Coastal Carolina should win that game, no problem. They're favored by 10.5. Moving on to Saturday's game, starting at 11 a.m. in the Boca Raton Bowl, we got Western Kentucky taking on Appalachian State. I've always been a fan of Appalachian State after they beat Michigan in 2007 when they were in FCS school. Now that they are in FBS school, they can play with the big boys. As you see, they, they schedule Miami every year. Moving on to the New Mexico Bowl, we got UTEP taking on Fresno State. I know that Fresno State was one of those teams. They're losing their coach to the University of Washington. So I'm not a fan of coaches leaving for another college and not coaching in the bowl game, but it is what it is. 
Then you got UAB taking on BYU. It's the first ranked team that's playing this early. In the Independence Bowl on ABC at 3.30. I'm very impressed with UAB and bringing their program back. They got that great stadium in Birmingham, Protective Stadium. And UAB has shown poise and they're one of the top teams in Conference USA. Then you got Eastern Michigan taking on Hugh Freeze and Liberty. Liberty actually had a disappointing year, 7-5. and five. Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. They had some close losses, but some of their losses were to Syracuse and Ole Miss. They lost to Billy Napier in Louisiana, and they lost to Army. So they had some very close losses, but they're 7-5. and five. They're in a bowl game against Eastern Michigan. That's going to be at the Lending Tree Bowl. Then we got the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl presented by Stifle, Utah State, and Oregon State. Nice to see Oregon State bowl eligible once again. And then Louisiana, which will not have Billy Napier on the sidelines coaching. They were ranked 23rd. They only had one loss all season. They will take on Marshall. And that will be in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. And that is the 9-15 game on ESPN. Marshall was 7-5 and on the year. And then I will get into all the bowl games next week. We got things started. Like next week, we're going to have a bowl game on Monday. We're going to have two bowl games on Tuesday. I'm just going to go through some of the bowl games. Old Dominion and Tulsa on Monday. On Tuesday, we got Kent State and Wyoming. And then we got the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio taking on San Diego State. So that is the first bowl game that I really want to see. That is the most intriguing bowl game. That's the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. And UTSA had a very impressive season. Should have went undefeated, but they lost to North Texas. It was able to win the Conference USA by beating Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship. But UTSA got really high up in the ranks all the way to 22. And they've had a very successful season. Not bad for a program that's been in existence for about 10 years. And they've built up something special there in San Antonio. The Wednesday night bowl game, the Armed Forces Bowl. You got Missouri, the first... Power 5, the first SEC team that's playing this early. And they're taking on Army. Army just lost to Navy in the Army-Navy game. But they are 8-4, and four, so they are going to a bowl game. Another game I'm really looking forward to seeing. Then on Thursday, we have North Texas and Miami, Ohio in the Frisco Football Classic. Then we got Central Florida taking on the University of Florida. Gus Malzahn is taking on... Probably the interim head coach at Florida. Florida had a pretty good recruiting class. Had a Georgia safety flip to Florida. And Billy Napier is going to take over that program. It's very rare to see Florida in a bowl game this early in the season. And it's also very rare that Florida went 6-6. and But Gus Malzahn has something to prove. And he's got a chance to knock off Florida. UCF has actually done very well against SEC teams. Central Florida has beaten Georgia in the Liberty Bowl. And they have beaten Auburn in the Peach Bowl. So Central Florida has got something to prove. I think that Central Florida wins this game because Florida is disinterested. And Florida will have their first losing season for the first time in I can't remember how long it's been. I don't think Florida wins this game. And then Saturday, Christmas. We finally have a bowl game on Christmas. This is amazing. Remember when they used to have the Aloha Bowl? Now we have the Taxac Camellia Bowl. It is going to be Georgia State against Ball State. Georgia State, once again, going to a bowl game. So exciting for the Georgia State Panthers. And then next week, I'll get into those bowl games next week because then we get into the really big bowl games. But there's really two games that matter. New Year's Eve, the college football playoff, Cincinnati and Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. Desmond Riddler and that 
talented offense of Cincinnati trying to move the ball against Alabama's defense. Can Cincinnati, who is a huge underdog in this game, give Alabama a game? Alabama's not going to have John Minchie. He is out for the season with a torn ACL. And then finally, the Orange Bowl in prime time. Georgia and Michigan. I cannot wait for this game because I want to see which Georgia team shows up. If that team that played Alabama in the SEC Championship shows up, Georgia is not going to win this game. We have a Thursday night football game tonight in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs, who have won six straight games, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium, and the Chiefs are favored by three. One thing that I don't like about SoFi Stadium is there's going to be more Chiefs fans than Chargers. Chargers having a really good season. They've already beaten Kansas City in Arrowhead, 30-24. to It's a battle of two young quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has already proven because he has a Super Bowl ring. But I like it when Thursday Night Football has intriguing matchups that I want to watch and not sleepers, not matchups that nobody really wants to watch. And that's why I enjoy the Manning cast on Monday Night Football because even when if it's a bad matchup, they make the game more interesting. That's a mixed bag. Some people don't like the Manning cast, but I don't mind it. So on tomorrow's show, I break down the NFL preview. We do have two Saturday games. So while we have in bowl season, we also have some NFL games. We have the Raiders, 6-7, and seven, taking on the Browns, 7-6. and six. And then we have the New England Patriots taking on the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. I want to see what the Patriots look like with a very talented team that they're going up against on the road. Because Carson Wentz, is a very good quarterback. Jonathan Taylor is a very good running back. The Colts have a lot of tools that the Patriots like to use. A physical defense, ground and pound with Jonathan Taylor. I think that's going to be a great game. And then I'll preview all the other NFL games to include the big one on Sunday, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the San Francisco 49ers. I have insights on both teams. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area rooting for a 49ers fan. But let me tell you something. There's no love lost between these two teams because they have a history of meeting in the playoffs. And the 49ers trying to avenge that loss from two years ago where Julio Jones dominated that game and the ball just broke the plane and the Falcons were able to win that game. Even though the 49ers won the NFC West and went on to the Super Bowl, it made it a little bit harder that the 49ers could not get that win over the Falcons. And I think the Falcons winning that game saved Dan Quinn's job. I really do. I think that Dan Quinn got another year because the Falcons showed improvement and they were able to beat the 49ers and they were able to beat the Saints on the road. That was something they could not do. A lot of experts are saying this is the worst 6-7 and team that they've ever seen. That the Falcons are getting outscored by their opponents. They're blowing games late in the fourth quarter. I mean, they blew a couple of games, but some of those games, like that game against the Dolphins, and then the game against the Giants, and then last week against the Panthers, they were able to hold on to and not blow the game. I just want to see what the Falcons are capable of doing. And with that being said, good luck to both teams. I tell you, this was a really great show. And I've flown by on this show. A lot of great things are happening with this podcast because now that I'm involved with the Columbus Rapids and Columbus State Basketball, I will try to implement more of the local angle in my podcast. You got the River Dragons playing Carolina this weekend. I'll talk about them on Monday's show. And I'm just going to try to build up my audience like I have been doing for the past two years. My two-year anniversary is coming up on this podcast. This podcast has grown faster than it ever has. And 
Part of it is because I'm doing more shows. The more shows you do, the more exposure you get on this podcast. And when I go back to five days a week, I get a lot more exposure. And I'm able to share this podcast on my Twitter page, able to share it on my Facebook page. I went Facebook Live last night. That helps. It helps grow your audience because they want to see your face. They put a face with the name and the radio. I was so used to doing the radio. Like when I was doing the coaches show off the wall for the Columbus Rapids, that was the first time I was in front of the cameras in 20 years since the up all night show with brad page brad page was my co-host and we did this talk show it really was not sports related yeah can you imagine me doing something that wasn't sports related that is weird but we did that show 20 years ago and for the first time i was in front of the cameras in 20 years and a special announcement that off the walls it's the coach's show dedicated to the columbus rapids season That will air on the columbus rapids youtube channel tonight at seven you don't want to miss it I'm excited. I've already seen the video. I can't post it or share it, but you just got to enjoy it. And then on Beam 7, the local cable station in East Alabama, they will air the show next Monday night. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this season. The Columbus Rapids will take on the Memphis Americans on Sunday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. I really hope that everybody has a great holidays during this season. And I will talk to you tomorrow. So everybody have a great day. And I enjoy talking sports with you. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.